everyone, and welcome back to All Around Sports. I'm your host, Ethan Diamond, here with episode four. And today, we are going to be talking about the NFL draft, a recap of the first ever virtual draft in NFL history due to the coronavirus shutdown. I'll talk about some winners and losers from this year's draft, two teams for each, in fact, and I'll take a caller. I'll take one caller to discuss some things that happened in the draft this season. I'm Ethan Diamond, and let's get right into it. So, out of this year's 2020 NFL Draft, there are definitely some winners and some losers. Some teams really outshined what I thought they were definitely going to do, and some teams that really failed to address their team needs. One team that definitely was a winner for me had to be the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, this is kind of like an obvious choice here. Anyone who watched the draft knows that C.D. Lamb was probably the top receiver on the board. He was probably going to be a top 10 pick or maybe even later to the Jets at 11 or even to the Jaguars at 9 or to the Browns at pick 10. But they, Dallas found a way to get him at pick 17, which is honestly ridiculous. They need a huge steal. And even though it wasn't one of their team, need, team needs, they took the best player available approach and really grabbed a great guy. He is a yards-after-catch machine, and he'll be a huge part of an already dominant passing attack with guys like Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup out wide. His addition will help make Michael Gallup a huge target, as Lamb and Cooper will take a ton of good cornerbacks off of him and open up a career year for Michael Gallup. They also are just a huge need in the second round at cornerback by taking what probably should have been a first-round pick in Alabama cornerback Trayvon Diggs. He was a dominant cover corner in college, and he'll be nothing short of important for a team that lost Byron Jones to the Dolphins in free agency. And one, one sleeper pick for them that I'm really high on is Bradley Anai. They drafted him in the late fifth round, and he was very strong in Utah, but his 40-yard dash time of about five seconds might have lowered his stock a little bit. He could definitely develop into a solid starter for them, however, and help bolster their defensive line a lot. In my opinion, the Dallas Cowboys are really one of the huge winners to come out of this year's draft. Another winner was probably the Baltimore Ravens. They're a huge winner. They had the most day-two selections of any team. That's the second and third round. They had a shot. They had a whopping four or five picks. And this year, they really made them count. In the late first round, they didn't trade up or anything. They selected Patrick Queen a linebacker from LSU who played less than 17 games in his LSU career, but is absolutely bursting with potential. A brilliant job, well done by their front office, not having to trade up to get him. They did a great job of waiting there and knowing that their man would be there. Many people have compared him to Ray Lewis, a franchise icon, or C.J. Mosley, another great linebacker, could be an impact player in what was one of the Ravens' weak spots last season. In the late second round, they somehow came away with J.K. Dobbins, an electric running back who I projected to be off the board the first round. In Ohio State, he showed flashes of brilliance, especially in the first quarter of the college football playoff semifinals against Clemson. He had a crazy run in the first quarter and multiple big gains. He showed so much ability, and he will help transform their running game into so much more than just Lamar Jackson and Mark Ingram. They had a whopping four third-round picks, and they made all of them count by addressing huge needs on the offensive line, wide receiver, linebacker, and defensive line. In fact, all of the Ravens' selections on day two were expected to go at least 20 picks before their selection, which is huge for them. One guy in the third round that I love was the selection of Justin Matabuike, who, according to ESPN's rankings, should have been off the board in round two. 
Rushing the quarterback was definitely one of Baltimore's weaker points last season, and Matt Abuike, who is a strong presence at Texas A&M, will definitely help change that. Another huge pick was Devin Duvernay from Texas. He's a great wide receiver selection with definitely one of their team needs. He averaged 13 yards a catch last season and caught nine touchdowns from pro-ready quarterback Sam Ellinger. Overall, Baltimore had one of the best draft classes in the league without trading up or even having a premier first-round selection. On the other hand, there definitely are some teams that fell short of what they could have done. One of the losers, in my opinion, was the Houston Texans. Any football fan, even casual, will tell you that the Texans had one of the worst off-seasons in recent memory. They traded star receiver DeAndre Hopkins to the Cardinals, which I talked about in a past episode, and overpaid offensive lineman Laremi Tunsil by a huge amount, but on draft night, it got even worse. They were one of the only teams that did not have a first-round pick. Not only, was this the, not only was this really bad for them, but by the time they were up in the second round, they had lost their chance to draft an elite receiver to replace Hopkins. Their first-round pick, Ross Blacklock, has injury history after tearing his Achilles in TCU. And defensive line wasn't really a need for a solid pass-rushing team led by J.J. Watt and the possibly returning Jadavian Clowney. Additionally, in the fourth round, they had a huge reach at offensive tackle, taking Charlie Heck from North Carolina, who's ranked 14th at his position by ESPN. In fact, many people didn't even have him being drafted. They failed to address huge team needs at running back, safety, and interior offensive line, and they ended up coming out of this draft with only five selections, which is one of the lowest in the league. If I have another edition of this next year, the Texans will surely be on it again. As they were, they will, next year, they will be without a first or a second round pick. Another huge loser was one of the best teams in football last year, the Green Bay Packers. They fell one game short of the Super Bowl last season. Many expected the Packers to take a wide receiver, which was a huge team need in one of the deepest classes in recent memory. Wide receivers like T. Higgins, Michael Pittman, and LaVisca Chenault and Denzel Mims were all still on the board for Green Bay when they'd selected in the first round. But instead, they took a quarterback, Jordan Love. There's only one problem. The Packers have a brilliant quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, one of the greatest in the game, and he hasn't even hit 40 yet. He's been asking to play for a very long time. He isn't looking to retire anytime soon. This, this selection might have been because Packers management was hoping that Rodgers would be a mentor to the young Jordan Love, but I personally, if I was Aaron Rodgers, to be honest, I would be a little resentful. Instead of drafting a wide receiver weapon that could have transformed the, their team, they looked instead for his replacement. In fact, they failed to address the wide receiver position during the whole three nights, instead opting to take a running back in the second round when they had elite backs already, and Aaron Jones, who exploded last season, and solid pass-catching back Jamal Williams. He also took a tight end in round three, with many elite wide receiver targets still available. However, on a bright side, they did address nearly all their other needs, except one, at wide receiver. Another, well, out-of-the-box winner is, though it isn't a team, it has to be the virtual draft as a whole. To be honest, it was much more successful than any of us thought it was going to be. A few days before the draft, I heard news of glitches happening throughout the draft, even with the number one pick in Cincinnati. I was a little scared to see what the draft would be like, but it was totally successful. In fact, 
there were 55 million viewers who, who, who turned in on over three, three different networks, including ABC, NFL Network, and ESPN. This number was a 35% increase from those who turned in to watch in 2019. This is a huge difference. The NFL also set up what was called a draft-a-thon to raise money for coronavirus relief and raised over $100 million in total. Another great thing about this was that we got to see players' reactions live. There were over 60 cameras in different people's homes, and we got to see their reactions. And the three days were not short of highlights, from Henry Ruggs' bathrobe to Cliff Kingsbury's war room. Overall, the amount of people that turned in should definitely alert the NFL to maybe make some changes to the normal template, because if this got more viewers than a real live draft, maybe they should make some changes. Well, guys, we're going to welcome our first caller to the channel, John from New Jersey. He's on line one. John, how you doing? Hey, what's up? How you doing, buddy? I am doing good. How about you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I've been thinking a lot about the uh, NFL draft. I had a quick question for you. Fire. Well, I got to say, I'm coming around to it, but initially I was a little bit disappointed by the uh, by the Giants pick. I was hoping for worse. You know, I read a lot about him. So I guess I just, my first question would be, what do you think about Gettleman's pick in the first round? I mean, he's always been big on the, quote, hog mollies, and I think he got his guy in Thomas. I mean, he's a big guy. He could play left tackle and right tackle. He's available at both. And they had their pick of everyone, or they could have traded down, but he obviously had his sight on one guy, and... Apparently, it was Thomas, and in my opinion, I'm okay with that pick because I really trust him, and I think it was a smart pick. He's a big guy, great blocker. I mean, it's not like he's a terrible guy. He was definitely a premier first-round talent, so. All right, all right, all right. And I guess my next question, the other question I was thinking, I mean, what do you, what do you think about the Packers taking love? Like, do you think that means maybe, uh, like, signaling the, the end of um, – Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay. I mean, we'll, we'll, it's a first-round pick. I mean, it's kind of a crazy pick, right? Yeah, and it's even more crazy because they lost to the Niners in the NFC Championship game last season by a ton. And something they really, they they really, they really failed them was their passing attack. And they in a draft with tons of wide receiver talent, guys like T. Higgins were still on the board, Lavisca Chenault, Michael Pittman, all those guys, Denzel Mims, all those guys were still on the board for them. They even traded up to get Jordan Love. So I think. What they were doing, either either it's the end for Rodgers, which I highly doubt that. I think they maybe wanted to take him because Love is more of like a raw quarterback talent. Definitely needs some like grooming and stuff like that. So I think maybe that was he can sit for a few years under Rodgers, just like Rodgers did under Brett Favre for a couple years right. when he came first into the league. I think that yeah. was what they were trying to do with the Love yeah. pick. Maybe in like yeah. three or so years he'll become their starter. Interesting. Okay. But by no means right. is Rodgers done at quarterback. I think he'll be yeah. the quarterback of the Packers for the next couple seasons still. All right, cool. All right, thanks a lot. I appreciate your insight on that. No problem, John. Thanks for calling. You got it. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening. I'm Ethan Diamond here at All Around Sports. Be on the lookout for another episode in two weeks, and don't forget to rate me five stars on Apple Podcasts if you liked it. Thanks so much, and we'll see you in two weeks. Thank you.